And we are back. Welcome to Pounding the Table, episode 90. We got 10 episodes till episode 100, so stay tuned. Tony is back in the booth this episode. And quick shout out to our sponsors over at Masterworks. They have some exciting offers in our email, the Weekly Pounder. Shai's got some deep dives, so make sure to go to poundingthetablepodcast.com and make sure to sign up because another episode of Pounding the Table starts right now. But we're underway, and I do mean underway. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. Because they're sheep. And sheep get slaughtered. We have concluded the following. Because I know more than anybody. Cold winter is apparently not a Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 90 of Pounding the Table. We got an exciting episode. It's August 25th, and the market decided to turn as soon as we started recording here today. So, Joey and Shai, welcome back. Why did the market just shift? Did it take people a little bit to understand what Powell was saying? Because we thought it was kind of like a nothing burger, but now it's starting to go up. I think there's a lot of fear that was baked into today. I think I spoke to Joey about this like last year at the same Jackson Hole meeting, the market tanked 5% or something around that. So I think a lot of people were freaking out. What if he's going to say something again that's going to make the market tank? And he really didn't say much. What I got from it, the narrative was higher for longer, which is what I'm seeing in all the numbers too. I don't know if the market's really priced in that rates won't get cut really until second half of 2024. I think this like rally is just without any substance. I wouldn't look into it that much. I do you think until like end of October will be a, little, a tough time for us growth investors? I, I was listening to it and it seems like the same stuff he's been saying the entire time. So I chalked it up as, wow, he said nothing. And now we're just kind of like rallying back. So yeah, it's a very interesting turn of events. So we got some big winners and biggest losers. So we got a new section we thought of that I think is interesting. We got a firm up 30%. Joey, we got VinFast up 42%. Is this the new uh, meme stock, do you think? It's so interesting. We talked about this last week, and it might have been like in the teens or 20, and I'm like reviewing everything about this company, reading all these almost like internal reviews, former employees, looking at the numbers and just thinking, okay, this is going to be another one of those stocks that just goes to a dollar or sub $1. Here we have it sitting at, if TD Ameritrade's correct, $155 billion market cap, yeah. bigger than Ford, GM, and Honda combined. It, again, if all the market caps on TD Ameritrade are correct. So like I tweeted this out earlier, this will definitely end well, sarcastically, that if people are having fun trading it, have at it, but this is not something I would own going into the weekend because I would not be sleeping. Sounds like it's a dietary drink, like Slim Fast, basically. <laughs> like Vin Diesel uh, partnered with Slim Fast and came to Fast. I own none of anymore, of course, but BlackBerry's up 17%. I feel like every other week they have news of being acquired. I always thought it was going to be Amazon. You're saying there's like pretty substantial news here around a private equity firm. Is that right, Shay? Yeah, some private equity firm. I have to see the name. starts with a V, but there are rumors. There yeah. Exactly. That one. Rumors that they're going to get acquired. I think it's, like you said, it's been like kind of known that BlackBerry is going to get acquired eventually. I did hope that Amazon would do it. I don't know. I want, I would love some mega caps to be in like the phone game because I always have issues with my phone or even like the telecommunication. Like 
I hate AT&T and Verizon. Like I was always hoping like some of these big tech players would get into that space. But yeah, so BlackBerry's going to get acquired. D-Local's up 6% today. I know we were talking about that with Mercado Libre's CFO joining forces. Joe, you want to touch on D-Local? Yeah, so it's very attractively valued uh, based on the growth rate, profitability, everything they have going for it. I really like um, the former CFO of Mercado Libre joining as co-CEO. It kind of adds legitimacy to the numbers since the short seller did kind of throw some shade at them and make people question the legitimacy of the company. The thing is, don't get caught up in like the big moves of stocks because we talked about it because it jumped 20% after earnings in this announcement. It then gave up all of those gains. It was essentially flat and now it's up 6%. So like it, it seems if you just listen to the last two podcasts, you'd think the stock's continuing to run when really it's just, it's been a very volatile market and it's been jumping around a lot. But fundamentally speaking, Based on the growth rates, everything has going for it, it is a very inexpensive stock. To add some color to what Joey's saying, like D local right now, it's like around 20 bucks. They're trading at 35 times in their income. Their PE is 35 times for this year, and they're growing the top line 50%, gap profitable in a environment like a part of the world where it's insane growth that a lot of like, the big time players are trying to get into. I think it's super attractive around 20. I think it should be around 25 bucks. I am so excited to see what Pedro's doing. Like, this is my only pure fintech exposure in my portfolio. I was like considering, like, maybe I should jump ship from DLocal to Addian, but DLocal is too, 200 valued right now, even at 20 bucks. It's just something about DLocal. There's one thing that people need to factor in. So, a, a lot of people think, oh, it's this Latin American based company, it could be somewhat shady. But Uruguay, it, it doesn't get as much. Are we all three drinking a Celsius right now? Tropical vibe. That I've got orange. I just saw get full on sponsored by them guys. Seriously, <laughs> John, Dennis, if you guys are listening to this, we are all sitting. That was a good call. I actually <laughs> I finished mine and went to throw it. Yeah. And then I saw both of you because Celsius can't just bury up. Yeah, the, uh, the cherry apple one is actually weirdly good. I didn't think fire it is so fire. Really good. The problem is if you grow up on orange like I did, it's you can't get away from it. You ever watch the show Keenan and Kel where Kel is just like oh, obsessed yeah. with orange soda? That's me. My favorite movie. So that's me with orange soda. So like I don't drink soda to where Celsius is like my like my fix on yeah. that. Anyways, yeah. getting back to Uruguay. So Uruguay is actually the most democratic country in America. So like when you factor in both Americas, more democratic ranking wise, according to The Economist, than the United States, which I would have to say, yeah, I mean, we as people don't really have much of a say. But so when you talk about like safety of a country or like operating, it's not like some crazy place for a company to be operating. And that's where D-Local is uh, headquartered. We got Domo down big, down 40%. They slashed guidance. They just had earnings today, right? I think it was last night that they reported. It could have been this morning. But yeah, it's. I, I haven't checked in on this one in the longest time. I used to have this engineering team I would talk to, and they raved about Domo as a product. But when you looked at the financials, you could never really justify owning it. And I mean, this was a high flyer at the pandemic. It got over 80 bucks a share. I don't even know where the valuation was at that point, but yeah, you've got these 
I'm looking over these financials, total revenue growth on the top line, you got 5% growth, still losing money. And I want to say, Avi, you said that they then cut their guidance. So you've got a company barely growing, still losing money and missing their own, their own marks. It's just, you could see why the stock's down so significantly. And I don't know, a lot of people like to bottom fish on some names. I could see if you want to try to make a value play on like a Disney or a PayPal or something like that. You don't want to catch a falling knife with a company like this that, you know, you, I don't even really see a future for them. You know what I just realized? We can't talk too much shit about uh, Domo. So when I was on my honeymoon, me and my wife had a bottle sent to us from some stranger. They didn't tell us who. And I was like, who is this from? We have to like thank them. And it was weirdly from this guy, Josh James, who's the CEO and founder of Domo. No way. Sort of God. Wild story. Yeah, we were in Turks and Caicos and he like, thank you if you're listening for any reason or someone that at Domo. That's a true story. Uh, that was incredible. He like bought us. We finally found out who it was and thanked him. But he he happened to overhear us. We were in the pool next to him and like he overheard we were just on our honeymoon. So really, really nice guy. So well, it sounds like maybe he shouldn't have taken some time off and start focusing on the business back then. <laughs> well, what year was your wedding? <laughs> Two years ago. So they IPO'd in 2018. Oh, yeah. This two years ago, then it could have been good. Damn, he on. The good times are rolling. He was giving it away. Now he's, he's probably going to want that back. Oh, man. I'll send it back. That's hey, awesome. Venmo me that. Thank money. you for the uh, bottle of uh, champagne. I appreciate that. Hey, come on the show. Explain what's going on at Domo and if it's worth owning. I should reach out. That's a great idea. Anyways, uh, I will let you talk about DigitalOcean. They got a new CEO and it tanked 15% initially. What's going on with Doc Gann here? Yeah, DigitalOcean, as you guys probably know, it's a top five position in my portfolio. Like they're the Ouch. only dedicated pure play in cloud nice computing. Show. They got a new CEO announcement today. It was surprising to see because like, Yancey really dug this company out of its hole, like pre-IPO. It was an absolute mess from the founders that were like leading this company a couple of years ago. He, Yancey dug them out, made them profitable, and the issue was he used to be a CFO. He sold his old company to, I think, Twilio. So he came back, came up from the CFO mentality and he not, he knew there was going to be a tech recession. And during any tech recession, SMBs are the hardest hit. That's Digital Ocean's baby. So he fully went CFO goggles. We're not going to do growth. We're going to focus on profitability is raise some capital, do some buybacks. The issue with that is he forgot about the developers. The developers are the key for the company's like lifeline for their future growth. And he kind of ignored them for profitability on the company. They it allowed him to buy back a lot of stock. They used most of that capital already, like in the mid-30s, low 40s, but now growth is close to 20%. And that's anemic when you talk about cloud computing, like what it should be. Like the industry alone is growing, I think, at 20%. So like they're just barely meeting the standard. That's not okay. I think the board just wanted, like, Yancey got them out of a really tough spot. Now they're profitable. Like, I think their EBITDA margins were like around 40% last quarter. Their free cash flow is 20%. Like, these numbers are unheard of just a couple years ago. So now Yancey got them here. I think it's time to hand it off to a true visionary CFO, CEO, like maybe someone from one of the big time players like Azure or AWS. I'm really excited to see what kind of CEO that will take this company to the next step. Having said that, it's not a 
great look to force the CEO out before having a succession plan because it does take some time to get that next captain on your ship. And them not announcing who that person is feels forced and feels rushed. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I still like Digital Ocean for long-term play, but I don't think 15% was justified. I think actually right now they're only down like 5%, so I'm glad that's being bought. I think it's a great stock to buy under 30 bucks, but I don't think it's going anywhere in the short term. So don't feel like you have to rush into buying this stock or not. A uh, new person that just joined the podcast, we'll give him a uh, interesting first curveball here because none of us knew what this was, but Maple Bear is going to be IPI. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing him the curveball. Do you know all about I've never this, heard of it in my life. This company, you some... know Maple Bear. You just yeah, don't do do I? You know Maple Bear. Everyone knows me. <laughs> So to give to give everybody a little background, so you know, I'm always checking latest. Well, yeah, <laughs> always checking latest SEC filing. I because I heard Clavio filed for IPO, so I wanted to look through the numbers, and I see when I search form S1 and Maple Bear Inc. pops up. So I'm like, oh, let's just click this. And without really looking at things, I look at the initial graphic. It's grocery technology partner, 1,500 retail banners. It's got gross transaction volume over 20 billion. Basically, 85% of the U.S. grocery market uh, is within its reach. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is a, this is an absolute monster. Over 80,000 stores. Crazy. Turns out it's Instacart. So yeah, Instacart, Clavio, both just filed for IPO. So we'll dig through both of those and We're probably not- do something on it next week. Did not see that coming. Yeah. Maple Bear threw you a curveball. Figure that out. Like Nestle. To introduce you back to the show. Because you look like you've been hanging out with Maple Bears, perhaps. <laughs> Can we just cut that whole part? I was going to say, that would be, be an awesome nickname if you know like a big Canadian dude. Like a Patrick Vellner type. Just call him Maple Bear. Like Brian Reeves. Probably dated myself. Now, you guys are too young. But big country during the nineteen early 1990s in the NBA. Anyway, speaking of going woke and going broke, Joey... Target, you said, Disney. We talked about this a few episodes ago. They're hitting their 52-week lows. Is this because of the go woke, go broke still? Or do you think there's bigger issues? So there's a lot of of issues facing the company, as we've discussed before. And yeah, I wanted to say it closed at its lowest level since 2014 or something like that. I think I saw something like that on CNBC. Um, It's a lot of things are not going right for them. And same can be said of Target. I want to say they just hit a new 52-week low. So yeah, everybody that's kind of in that go woke, go broke category seems to not be not be doing all that well. But I'm sure people at Anheuser-Busch are loving it that they're finally out of focus. But yeah, I keep seeing Disney trying to cut a deal for ESPN, getting in on betting, all this other stuff. It seems like Iger is trying really hard, but the market waits for no one. Tony, you joined late here, but I was asking them, we see the kind of market, the initial reaction, I guess, was kind of just a nothing burger, right, from Powell. And we just see it starting to go up here at the end of the day. Do you have any idea as to why the market had like a slow reaction or is this something irrelevant to Powell? No, I mean, it's definitely, I, I think a lot of it happened right before Powell because I think I think a lot of what was going down with what was said today was already pre-forecasted for a lot of people. So I think a lot of, different things sold off into kind of knowing how he would go about today. And then you can see like what's coming back up right now. You know, it's stuff that would be doing well if that was the last rate hike 
that was in July. So we shall see there. But I, I didn't think the market would come down to there was just so much options either way that it's more like it was just dealing with all the like cash selling options on both sides for the big swings. And then just evening out here after it's had like a long sell off week because of, I guess, the news that just came out. Certain stocks did, which brought down you know, the MC. Listen, yeah. I mean, I also, I just don't see the stock market like rallying until the rates get lower. Like right now, there's trillions of dollars on the sidelines. Like why would they risk that money when they can get 5% like risk-free? So that's what I'm really watching going forward, just the yield and like specifically the dollar. The dollar actually kind of broke out yesterday. It's like over that <laughs> 1.04. So that's like, ugh, that's probably me some heartburn. And I just don't think the market will do well with rates, uh, the yield being over 5%. Mortgage rates also hit another high, 7.3. Joe, you were talking about Zillow offering 1%. I was looking at the news it said yesterday. So Thursday, they finally went live with this. They're giving mortgages at 1% down. That seems uh, very... Uh, I thought this had to be some sort of like FinTwit joke that like Ramp Capital or someone posted. And lo and behold, it's real. Yeah, Zillow rolls out 1% down home loan program. And it says a new program initially launching in Phoenix will help ease one of the biggest barriers to entry for buying a home. Yeah, financial security. Yeah, let's just buy out home to anybody that wants 1% down. Yeah. There's a reason you have to have a certain amount down. It's like, okay, you are financially stable or secure enough to be worthy of buying. Not like, oh, I'm worthy to buy a home. It's like, no, this is someone that fits the risk profile that should acquire an asset that they can pay back over time. Now, it's like this has 2007, 2008 vibes written all over. I was going to say, didn't you, you didn't see that scene where he walks into the club and he's like, yeah, how many houses do you have? Yeah. Yeah, that's literally where we are at in that movie. Um, it, it's insane. 1% down. And then imagine what that monthly payment would be. Imagine what your rate oh. would be because your credit score is probably garbage at that point. Like, it, I feel like some senators or someone in power needs to come out and say, hey, yeah, awesome idea. No, it's not happening. So many foreclosed homes, right? Like people aren't going to be able to. These mortgages. There's already just a huge, I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet, but there's a massive uptick like this year already in foreclosures. So India landed on the moon. I did not know that. They became the first country to land on the South Pole ever, Joey. I like on that. The South Pole? At the South Pole of the moon? You edit that? No, you didn't edit that? I didn't touch that. You're fucked with me. What does that even mean? Is that you, Tony, or no? Is this actually? No, is this like a flat earth theory? I, I didn't know that was the news from. Uh, Jai, did you do that? No, I, that, that this is from uh, one read, right? Avi, is okay. it the South Pole of the Moon? Of the Moon, I did not know about this. I the, guess the Moon has poles. Yeah, apparently. On to the next thing. Peloton's partnering with universities to provide. So wait, things. before we move on, do you think <laughs> that means India is the first country to land on the Moon? Peloton will partner with university with the University of Michigan. We're not trying to get too canceled here. What are you saying with Peloton? Because you you love this Ozem that you've been going on here. I just so I love Peloton. So I've got the app. I have my program that I do throughout the gym, and I use them for the cardio aspect because my friend Austin has a Peloton, and you can add friends for free to the app. So he initially added me. I thought, oh, this is dumb. But then I did some like their treadmill workouts and stuff, and I really like using it, just like a back pocket cardio. 
So I really like the bridge, but yeah, I see they keep making partnerships. I saw they made like a B2B offering and now they're doing universities. But then I got to thinking kind of like the Dexcom thought, is the diabetes market going to be impacted by these obesity drugs? And then I get to thinking the typical, very lazy person, do you want to lose weight by working hard in a gym on a Peloton, something like that? Or do you want to lose weight sitting on your couch, watching TV and taking pharma? And people always take the shortcut. So like, could these weight loss drugs impact the overall fitness brands? The community. I feel like it'll, yeah, it'll impact the people that are just trying to lose weight rather than like the fit people trying to look really good. Because it's one thing if you just shed a ton of weight, it's going to have a much different look than if you lose it slowly and actually work for it. So it's a certain demographic, but I feel like that demographic would then be out of reach for someone selling a $2,000, $3,000 connected fitness device. Did we reach the peak with NVIDIA? I was just looking at today, I was looking at the maxed out chart and that just scares the shit out of me. It finally closed a little bit lower today, but it's just, it's up 221% now in the year. Earnings just continued to rise, right? Like we, we kind of called that. We said the guidance was there for a reason and then they'd beat that guidance, right? I hate seeing charts like that. Someone talked me into why NVIDIA, I think could still be logical when the chart's literally 90 degree angle upwards right now. 171% year over year growth. That is wild for a trillion dollar company. So I think it is justified. I think data, like AI is just exploding. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that the revenue is being front-loaded. That could be true, but they're just back-to-back quarters beating insane amount. Like it's not even close. And but, I don't think analysts even know how to focus. But I mean, uh, estimate. Here's the thing. I've, so I don't know Kyle Bass, but he's big on talking about China even talking about their long-term plans of bringing Taiwan back into the mix because Taiwan, they see as theirs. And he sees bringing war to the West is what the, the actual interview said, but an invasion of Taiwan by the end of 2024. So if that happens... That's 20% but, revenue gone. Gone. Not, not only that, where you're talking about sales to China, mm-hmm. I think all of their production, Taiwan Semiconductor manufactures how much and do you really think if china takes back taiwan that everything that the u.s says that china cannot buy from nvidia or taiwan semiconductors uh clients do you really think china is then going to let those go out and go elsewhere so like given the the risk of taiwan and yeah we can play around with the chips act all we want those fabs will be built for how long like that's the risk that i see and you think of, you know, how weak of a spot we're in where, you know, the U.S. just continues to feed Ukraine, our debt's out of hand, we can't even help people in our own country that have some fires going on, that do you really think we could support another war in Taiwan against China with significant resources? Like, it, it would almost be like we have to pick and choose, okay, do you want to help Ukraine? Do you want to help Taiwan? It's like this whole situation to where if you're investing in a company with, I'd say what 80, 90% of its revenue is generated from chips that are produced in Taiwan. That's the risk that I see to this stock. That if you owned it for a long time, you have significant gains. Yeah. Hey, let it run. Or like Avi and I were talking about, if you've got this massive gain, yeah, take some off the table, let the rest run. But to get in here 
when you hear people like that continue to talk about the, the risk in Taiwan, that's what really turns me away from the stock. Every stock goes back to their 200-day moving average. It's a guarantee. Yes, the 200-day moving average might rise if they maintain like that price they're at. That's like what NVIDIA has been doing in the past year. But it's going to hit it again. And right now, they're like 60% above their 200-day. So it is... There's got a lot of momentum. And what Joey's saying is true. There should be some fear baked into what NVIDIA's price is. And I don't think that's the case. I just think right now, like this past quarter alone, I think they made so like their net income was greater than the rev was this time last year. Like it's insane what they're performing right now. But having said that, I wouldn't, I want exposure in NVIDIA. Uh, I'm kind of getting that via super microcomputer, but I probably wouldn't really touch it unless it was like a wow, pounding the table evaluation. Like this is straight stupid. If there wasn't the the Taiwanese risk, I would say like, yeah, trying to call top on NVIDIA has never really worked out for someone. So yeah, looking at $1.1 trillion is one way to look at it, but it's also they're fueling artificial intelligence. They're fueling like all the huge trends in the market that this thing could just continue to run. But Tony, did you ever email those guys at Goldman Sachs and say, you guys should have picked NVIDIA? Would they choose instead? Costco, different, <laughs> different good. Many splits later of good. I think that like, just because I know it's got all these good positive wins for it, that it's, it's pushing it along and everything. And it's been just grinding up with the QQQ grind. But that gap, I just saw, like, you know, it's like post earnings, that gap kind of lines up with a previous high. It's like looking, I'm probably watching that area at some point. I feel like it might get retested and then maybe that'd be a decent spot to consider where it's out there. If only we had some sort of like chat room that we could just drop Tony in and he could just tell people this daily. That'd be pretty awesome. We uh, make it a chat room going here. Uh, before we move to Sentinel One, the other thing I, I'd like to say, we just saw the Republican debates. My boy Vivek tore it up, I thought. Now, he's still way behind Trump and Trump's obviously been the big news right now. But I do want to say we try to keep politics out of it. But I'm thinking if Vivek starts to build some noise where it's actually serious, he said he's not going to touch Taiwan and basically give it away. So are people watching that? But no, that so what I what I really think. So first off, I think when Trump was saying Ukraine would have never happened if he were president, I, I think that that would be accurate just because having a wild card like him as president, no one really wanted to mess around. So I feel like Trump wouldn't let Taiwan fall just because he wouldn't want to say it happened under his presidency. But Vivek, yeah, he... He is such a good speaker that that's why he stole the show and no one can really keep up with. He's got like that youthful energy just coming at people. He's done a lot in business to where like he's got the, uh, not cockiness. He's got like the uh, the confidence to go at these people and actually know what he's talking about. I think he's vying for that VP nomination because yeah. that it seems like anybody that you know makes any waves, that's the best that they could do. I don't think any other really spot within the administration would work for him. But yeah, I feel like that's what he's got his eyes on. Sentinel One hired an investment firm as the cybersecurity company is potentially exploring a sale. They have earnings next week, Joey. You were saying that this is potentially some gamification that Sentinel One's doing, maybe? So I feel like maybe they did get some legit bids and it's very inexpensive 
uh, based on its sales, even like its cash. I want to say it was like a four point something billion dollar market cap company with $1.2 billion in cash. I, I got to confirm those numbers. It's very inexpensive in many ways, but they did disappoint last quarter. And I, I just always in the back of my head are thinking, okay, why would they want to sell out so quickly? They haven't been public all that long. And my thinking would be, what if they're about to disappoint again? They want to get out ahead of it. Like maybe we should consider these bids. We're continuing to crap the bed when it comes to operations. Maybe finding someone else that could take us over and do a better job with it would be smart. So that's just kind of in the back of my head. Maybe they want to say this, like we've got these bids or we're working on it to where next, next week's, oh yeah, don't worry about those. Our stock price should be here. And, you know, if anything, we're going to get acquired for more than we're at right now. So, you know, it would make us sell off back to the 12, some of that unwarranted, but that's just, you know, what I like to think about. I mean, Joey nailed it. Like when there's smoke, this fire, like this happened 10 days before they report earnings. Like that's exactly what they're doing is just try to do some kind of chaos around the actual business noise that they're going to release next week. So I don't think it's going to be good numbers at all. But Sentinel One's like a clear example of why you need in this specific industry for cybersecurity, you need good tech and you need to have a good go-to-market strategy. Sentinel One had good tech, awful go-to-market strategy. And it's kind of been like they've improved, but they've never got there. Like someone like CrowdStrike's amazing with their go-to-market strategy and they have great tech. They have both those things. Sentinel One only had one. And also I just read online, just breaking news, Wiz is the leading company that's going to acquire Sentinel One potentially. And that would be a like, wow, that would be an insane merger. Wiz is like only four years old. Like, I think it's the quickest to ever go to 10 bill in evaluation. But that would be a great uh, merger. I would definitely be. It does make sense because they partnered not too long ago. And yeah, I just pulled up. So they partnered in March 2023. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense. The two got close and they probably heard, oh, yeah, you guys are up for sale. And they thought, Hey, let's turn this partnership into a marriage. Totally. So mad. My, uh, I got Avi stomped out. By the way, I'd sent no one leaps, and they they would be uh, up pretty nicely here, but they got stomped out. Subway got sold off to PE firm Rourke Capital. Now, I was surprised it was nine point six billion. But Joe, you were saying these are all franchises, so they still have to pay the franchise fees. So people were kind of shocked, like, oh, it's only you know a couple billion dollars worth of a transaction, but that's because Subway is a massive franchisor. So when you think of how many locations they have, that it's not like a reflection of their true value because they, they just get their franchise fees or royalties on sales, whatever that might be. So it's smaller in market cap than you would think based on the total store count, but still it, it was a hefty price. WeWork announces a one to 40 reverse stock split. Faraday Future did something similar, 25 to one. So WeWork is literally a penny, penny stock now. Are they going to be out of business, you think, Joe? It doesn't look good for them. And, you know, like the way the real estate market's looking and there's so many competitors in the space that, I mean, it seems like they had a great idea. They did not execute well. They, they got too big, too fast. And then, you know, we've all seen the documentaries of what was going on internally. So, yeah, it doesn't seem great. Now, Faraday Future, it's easier to see why they're not doing all that well. I mean, Elon Musk himself has said 
never start a car business because it's so stressful. You lose so much money. They were on the brink of death many different times. They just had Elon there in their corner where I don't think Faraday has someone like an Elon to push it, push it where it needs to go, especially how fast they needed to get there. But yeah, this, and we've been seeing this quite a bit with you know, anybody that goes in the EV space, except for VinFast, because apparently they're worth 155 billion. Did you know that Petco throws out live birds and fish? Yeah. So listen, so Petco reported earnings. It was, it was pretty rough quarter. So the stock's at new, I want to say it just reached new all time lows because they haven't been public for too long. But yeah, we, Avi and I were talking before the show and I remember seeing something on TikTok where there's all these people that dumpster dives and someone was like dumpster diving behind a pet coat because they usually find like crates or dog beds, stuff that they clean up and sell on like Facebook marketplace and other things. They're finding like live fish, live birds. They also do this like behind pet smarts and stuff. So behind these major pet stores and they're finding like live animals in dumpsters. So, and then it shows like the videos of them going back to the store, confronting the workers, like, how dare you? And they're saying like, oh, we didn't do that. So like maybe a customer came in, bought them, chucked them back there, but it's pretty messed up. If you want to, if you want to see some messed up stuff on TikTok, search, yeah, the pet store brands and like dumpster diving, you'll be pretty angry. They have earnings next week, right? They had, so Petco had earnings this week. Oh, they did. Yeah. It did not go well. Got it. So is Petco going to be around in five years? I, so I feel like that's one of those brands that would get taken over by like some private, private equity firm that would then take it private, fix something up, load it with debt, bring it back. Tony and I can talk about Snowflake. I love Snowflake. And it's my top dog in my portfolio. I think everything they reported was honestly incredible with the macro they're working against. Every other competitor or every other SaaS company is reporting like their net retention in the 120s. They just said 142 and you can sense its tone is like they're disappointed with that 142 number. Like they think it's going to be bigger. The CFO hinted that the growth will accelerate again in 2024. He didn't officially say it, but you can tell through the context, that's what he was uh, insinuating on. And I think Snowflake, they just absolutely delivered. They beat estimate. They beat their quarter. They reported 37% year over year growth. They beat their bottom line EPS. They met next quarter's estimates. They're going to beat it again. They're just going the conservative route. They already said that past three months, growth has been picking back up and they're in the data that they're like seeing. I do think the worst has happened for Snowflake. Now they can focus on actually performing the best they can without all the macro noise. Having said that, there is a lot of like noise I'm seeing online that, oh, SBC is still like 45% of the quarterly revenue. Well, did you see the actual dilution? It's only two and a half percent. So people aren't cashing out the shares they're getting. So that's a pretty bullish sign in my books. I also want to say that the um, RPO is still around 30%. Snowflake has not shot around saying that they're the biggest customers are like definitely going through belt tightening right now. And they're gonna probably accelerate next year, but right now they're tightening their belts. RPO is only 30%. Everything should be working against Snowflake, but they're still delivering. They were just priced so... They were always an expensive stock. So they were yeah. never like a bargain. They were never like, wow, it's just like, we should buy this right now. Right. Like, I think it's just consolidating in the 150 range. And it's going to be doing that probably for the rest of the year, which is great because that's I'm just going to keep adding. They're going to be a monster next coming years. Like They're going to be riding this like t- tail end of this data thematic as the new oil. So... 
I loved everything I saw about it. And I think Sloopman's the best person to share the ship. And I'm a satisfied shareholder. I'm happy with the way it reacted post earnings because like being expensive stock like that, especially in the week it reported where like all of the tech stocks are just getting sloshed down and it still held its own and like pretty much probably going to close like around the same price it had its uh, report at. So that, that to me for an expensive stock like that, just coming in line without like a crazy beat on guidance or anything, that's what you want to see. It kind of gives me a little bit of hope for CrowdStrike next week as well. So that's something I'll look for. Also, one thing I want to call out that a lot of people don't know about like the moat that Snowflake has, like everyone knows like they have insanely high switching costs or like their brand values like really high in the industry. Not many people know about their stable edge mo, where this is like the network effect that they have, where all the customers can really sell their data within Snowflake's ecosystem or stable edge to other companies. So this is really popular in financial services where like you need this data to perform your functions as a company and like to actually be efficient. Well, this specific section in their like quarterly earnings report just skyrocketed. Biggest jump this had in over a year and a half. That right there is a big tell for me that like it's working. Like they're 26% of their revenue, I think I saw was utilize uh, 26% of their customers were utilizing the stable edge. This time last year is 20%. As this ticks up. That's where the margins increase. That's when like the mode increases. This is when, wow, we need Snowflake. And I think like around 40% of the global 2000 co- companies are using Snowflake already. Once you go into Snowflake, you don't leave. So I think they're doing executing everything perfectly. And yeah, I just want to add that note that a lot of people should be monitoring their marketplace listing and also stable debt, stable edge utilization. Let's get into earnings. So Monday, we have nothing next week. Uh, Tuesday, I've never heard of Up Fintech. Is that a different company that I should be aware of? Tiger. That's Futu's little competitor. All right, moving along. EO, that's another one we've talked about in the past. It will be interesting. Best Buy. wonder if they'll get hit with Go Woke, Go Broke, given all the, the news flow on that a couple of weeks ago. We got Pin Duo Duo. After the close, we got HP Encino. Wednesday, nothing before the open. Wednesday after the close, we got some big ones with Salesforce, CrowdStrike, Vivo, Okta, Chewy, Pure Storage, and Five Below. Thursday, Campbell's, Chunky Soup, Dollar General, UBS, Nudernix, Sentinel One, we just touched on, Elastic, PagerDuty, Samsara, Dell, Lululemon, Broadcam, VMware, and HashiCorp, Joey. I'm looking forward to see a lot of those those cloud earnings. I, I think that just like that thematic, as Shai Buller has been saying a couple of times here, that that is like something that's really going to be looked at as conditions start to start to start to normalize for people because yeah, it's been it's been a long period of increasing rates and stuff. So if you can start seeing cloud maybe improve a little bit, then you'll start seeing things like better earnings reports on those. Oh my God. I just realized, uh, after I did the calendar, Avi, MongoDB confirmed their earnings and that's Thursday after the bell. That's a big one. That's a big one to watch too. That's a massive one. Cause they're, they're snowflakes, a perfect comp to value MongoDB's valuation. And right now MongoDB is 40 or 50% more expensive than what snowflake is. So they had an insane quarter last quarter, like similar to like how Nvidia has had past two quarters of wow, this B was insane top and bottom line usage base it's everything is great for mongodb if they just have like a good not great quarter watch out for this stock this could hit under 300 bucks if it does i am adding i think this is gonna be a big after all this macro noise is done and like ai is like obviously gonna be cemented in the future i think mongodb is gonna be a big winner 
And I think that's like a great staple in your bonsai. So I'll be watching that. Sam Star is something that Joey brought to my attention last week, and I'm absolutely obsessed with the company. I wanted some kind of Internet of Things exposure. I did Impinge. Um, they completely butchered their last earnings, so I dropped them. I'm really monitoring Sam Star. I really want to add them, but I probably won't above 20 bucks. I'd start position under 20 and slowly DCA to like hopefully 16 to 18. So that's something I'm watching. CrowdStrike, they're going to deliver. Very surprised that they can't go above 160. They've been like hovering between 145 to 155 for a long time. I think they're a decent value right now. And I think the Sentinel One news that's like surfacing, that's even more bullish for CrowdStrike. Like, I think a lot of customers might even go to them. And I know some executives from Sentinel One bounced ship a couple quarters ago to go to CrowdStrike. So I think CrowdStrike, hopefully, my thesis on them is they're going to be the all-in-one platform for cloud security. So uh, I'm going to keep them, obviously, as my top five position. But uh, yeah, those are the stocks I'm monitoring next week. Chewy is actually an amazing stock right now to own for valuation. Like They have a high recurring revenue and like there's a very high floor on them and they're reporting on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, so Chewy, I mean... The growth is slowed there. Uh, they have become profitable, so it's a little more attractive there. It's one of those gray areas of valuations that we've talked about in the past where top line isn't as impressive, so they don't really know how to value it based on sales. And it's basically like a retailer, but they don't have like the earnings to justify some hefty price earnings multiple. So it's kind of left for dead between the value and growth investors. Now, what Shai was saying is 74% of their revenues are auto shipped which you can almost, this is almost like recurring revenue business. It's pretty insane. And based on those, it's trading at like 1.5 times auto ship sales. So very inexpensive that I don't know why some bigger retailers aren't looking at Chewy and just acquiring them. So many want exposure to that pet space that I feel like could easily scoop this up, whether it's on Amazon or a larger player in the pet space. It'd be just such a great add-on, but yeah, the, the valuation is very attractive and it's one that I've been watching very closely. Last earnings, I want to say they were trading in like the high 20s and then 20% the next day, but it's since given up all those gains and then some. And I want to say I saw like a negative analyst note saying that they were going to miss on one of the main comps. So that, that did drive it a little bit lower, but I could care less what analysts think because they're rarely ever right. I was going to say Lululemon, but that's a good yep. thing because retail has been struggling big time. Like the stocks. That's a big indicator stock. So retail, you've seen like all levels be impacted in some way. So you've got the lower end consumer where Gap was saying Old Navy had pressure for the lower income consumer. Then you had Alta crush it. They had some shrink, which is theft. So that's been a major issue across all these companies. Shrink is the new weather, where if a retailer misses, they used to blame the weather. Now they just say, oh, elevated shrink, meaning yeah, more people are stealing stuff. So to see all these retailers, I would say Foot Locker blame shrink. Dick's Sporting Goods, they seriously blame. They cut their outlook, everything on it. Ulta, I think they're a better indicator for Lululemon because it's like that upper middle class style brands. And their security, I feel like they're better when it comes to shrink, but then you Remember those videos of people like it fired because stores were stolen from it and running out. So it's an industry wide issue, but Lulu is just that premium brand that everybody loves. And 
I would love for it to miss on some metric and absolutely tank like back to the upper 200s and start scaling in just because blue has such a stranglehold on my household that I'd just be making some of my money back if I bought the stock and made some gains on it. But yeah, trading in the past done, done relatively well with it. So I'll be watching it closely. Right, we just went on an entire episode without talking about Tesla, but we can't do that to Elon. They got these new charging stations. Joey, I'll let you because you yeah. basically called this out a few episodes ago. We were talking about they were going to become the new Murphys and like have a movie theater, or just like this experience. So what happened with this? This is incredible what they're doing. Yes, we saw this like mock come out where Tesla wants to make exactly what we talked about when we we're talking like the experiential charging station, make it in like the Bucky's or the Wawa, but of uh, these charging stations. Cause yeah, you plug in and sometimes there's shopping centers where you can run around. Other times it's not, and you're just stuck waiting there. So why not create some sort of Tesla experience? And yeah, you saw this mock-up where it almost looks like a drive-in movie theater. You're plugging in and you got all this other stuff to do. So I could see this almost like a slow rollout. And you, you saw this estimate come out where it's saying that given all the partnerships with these major automakers that, oh, it's Wedbush that said Tesla could access up to $20 billion in revenue from its recent supercharger deals with automakers. So to think like all of those deals could fuel their expansion of this experiential network, not to mention like the other revenue that they could generate from having all this, like think all the Tesla merchandise and stuff that they could put up there. PT but, partnership, like Tesla is going to be there with a screen in front for 30 minutes. How about that advertising? Like that could, Tesla could. There's so much that they could do there. And then on top of that, they can have their own solar panels powering the whole thing. It's pretty awesome. Automotive as a service. That's a taxis. As so that's the other thing. Like, yeah, they could have these robotax stations as well. You could have your service station slash charging slash everything. It's just the ultimate Tesla experience. So I've never been to a Bucky's, but I have friends that are are from Texas and you know rave about it to where it's like the all-in-one place. You can get everything at Bucky's and they rave about it to where I feel like that's what Tesla will become. And it's just like where all the EV companies would flock to, especially since every EV in a couple of years are going to be using the Tesla supercharger network. What's stopping Tesla from uh, what I call Waze, but Waze, right? Like, couldn't they start from an ad network, start to talk to all these companies you're passing on the highway and give exclusive deals to Tesla owners? Like that. Well, yeah, I already see that at gas stations where I'll fill up at Wawa or something. There's like an ad that comes on their thing. So like, why not right. pop up on the supercharger? Or if they're at this drive-in movie theater or something like that, you know there's going to be endless sponsorship deals and yeah. not to mention like he could tie in x in all of this with all of those advertisers like there's so much that he could do there that is crazy fuck wow. shy is everything okay over there yeah i was gonna say we forgot to talk about the gray area which is a great concept we should bring introduce maybe that could be next week though there's no rush what is the gray area we've been going for about an hour maybe yeah it's like uh when a company starts going below 20 percent like top we, line we but there's not a profitable We'd touch on that with Huey, but yeah, we need to go in depth next week. And that, yeah, that would take a full, full yeah, bit. It's a good, it's, that's a good episode. Like a lot, of, that's a huge, like, like C-Lemon is in that right now. That's a perfect example of like yeah. the pivot from growth to profitability, but you're, you're not there yet. What do you yeah. do? It's like for basketball fans, like if you're like a highly touted Ford out of college, are you a small Ford or power Ford? A lot of the times if they're in between, they're going to fail in like the NBA. So that's like the same kind of thing that we should like touch on, like which companies pitch this bucket. 
Well, you guys got to watch the new, line. the new Florida Gators documentary on Netflix. Pretty awesome. Mm. My friend's gym, CrossFit Winter Gardens in it. Hmm. But you see Brandon Siler sitting in a gym. It's got like a giant wolf on the side. CrossFit Winter Garden. Love that. All right. That about wraps up this week's episode. Tony, welcome back. We are very excited to do some partnerships here with Underdog Sports. We only got about two weeks left here till NFL kickoffs. Their best ball mania is incredible. You have a chance to win $3 million. They're giving away $15 million throughout the year. So make sure to check out the description in the podcast episode. We'll also put it in the email as well. Definitely use the code PTT. It's a way we get credit as well as you get in free spots for the pick em. So it's a win-win here, guys. Drip on a honey, say less, that's me. Y'all on level one, on level three. Pounding on the table for my team. Every night I flex, I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. Big play, don't talk about it. Master P, I'm about it, about it. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. Sock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in Brickle with the tribe. Shawty sliding, she wants sushi. She wants eel sauce for the rice. I just peel off with the light. Took her heels off for the ride. Don't say real talk, just a lie. I'm a real one, I provide, yeah. Drip on a hundred.